Welcome to Taking Back Our Corners, the officially unofficial podcast for We Own the City on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about episode six. Uh, it's the finale. We get to see, yes, indeed, everyone did get to go to jail. Thank goodness. Uh, I was happy to see that. But, you know, we got bigger problems. A bigger fish to fry than a couple of bad cops in Baltimore. Uh, Aaron, what would you think of this episode? I thought this was a really good closing statement in what seems to be David Simon's argument about, you know, what what's 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 wrong with with the what's what going on today with policing in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a for God's sakes, can we end the war at dr- on drugs? Can we even talk about it? Yeah. You know, why is this the third, you know, rail of American politics so to speak? Um and and I thought it was extremely effective at showing, um, you know, the cycles, how they're perpetuating, how they're never going to change, how the the it's it's not necessarily racist cops, although those definitely antagonize the issue. It's not necessarily, um, you know, corrupt politicians, although they have a vested interest in keeping a system, you know, going. Um, it's it's kind of all of our fault. You know, that we, we're getting the system that we want and, and look at the horrifying results of this system, you know, mm-hmm. that, that things like Freddie Gray are not a, a tragic um, mistake. They're an inevitable side effect of, of, of the system that we've created. Uh, and, I, you know, like the thing is like it, it, the art of this episode. I mean, there's extensive use of black title cards to just tell, you know, like it, there, there's a lot mm-hmm. of... Um, I, I I felt like that this is felt like David Simon kind of like in the Cole Steele position of like, it's your turn, motherfucker. Like, I'm tired of talking about this. <laughs> I could do yeah. there's there's like two additional episodes worth of development and information with, with behind each of these black title cards. But mm. fuck it. You figure it out. Uh, and which made it feel, I don't know, like I said, the, the complete lack of that artifice made it feel even more stark or like, uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 or yeah, just, just kind of bleak, you know, what, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 it's hard to say you find this episode entertaining. Um, it was more like I was extremely into, um, the the thesis here i guess which is yes that the war on drugs is something that we have just been sort of letting continue with no real reason with obvious proof that this has failed this has failed a hundred times over it's failed everyone why are we still doing it um and like you said yeah it's because for some reason this thing just is is a a hot button issue that you cannot touch and i don't understand even when you see like things changing so much uh, nowadays, right? Like there is, are there fewer states at this point where marijuana is criminalized, uh, you know, on oh, the level say, that it like, has been? Yeah. If you're talking about like decriminalization, it's got to be more than half, but I mean right. like outright some sort of legalization or medical legalization, it's getting to be half if, if not more than half now. Yeah. Right. Um, on the federal level, you know, it's it's not enforced. But that that the other scary thing about this episode, it also depends on the administration. Right. You look at Nicole and her right. relationship with her job as it evolves over the course of really this episode. I mean, y- you know, we, we see her worrying about this stuff earlier, but this is the episode where it all comes to a head and she just she quits. She's done. Um, and, and yeah, how that can change administration to administration. Um 
it's not it's not safe to sit back and say look at the progress we're making because that could all slip away without actually institutionalizing uh the changes right. here so i don't know it's it is a it's both a scary look at uh our present and our future and also um there is a tiny bit of hope too right i mean these these guys did go away um there are conversations being had about this stuff now it's not like it's not like the conversations aren't happening they're just not happening in the right places and they're just not happening with loud enough volume to actually get the changes in place yeah i I also liked the art of comparing Detective Sean Suter with Wayne Jenkins, you know, like oh, a man geez. who, despite what he said on the stand or, or in his, his plea deal agreement acceptance thing, whatever you call that, uh, he clearly is, you know, lays his head down every night thinking that he was done dirty by the system. Yeah. Um, Versus a guy like Sean Suter, who, and I guess we'll debate this throughout the podcast, but like, seems like he did bend a few or broke a few lines, not just bent them, didn't just look the other way, but comparatively minor and felt so bad and, and, and got out and uh, beat the system and started doing good police work again that he could feel good about. And he's so overcome by the guilt that he feels for, again, his comparison to the to, to Wayne's minor transgressions that, uh, you know, the show hints that he kills himself. Um, I thought that was incredibly fascinating, like because because you mentioned it's like, well, it's not all bad because some of these guys did get justice. And I'm like, did they like did I feel good about the guys who are throwing 50 grand in uh, a vacant lot in Baltimore that they got five to seven years for cooperating when they got in at the end and probably didn't think, but like, what the fuck? Like, really, like, what the fuck were they going to do? Open their mouth and get put out to pasture or get blackballed by their fellow officers? Like, do I feel good that Herschel is going to be spending 25 years in prison? Like, I no. I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> well, because, like, I guess, I, yeah. I, I guess, like, like, the drug dealers, especially the big time ones that like are caught with kilos and kilos of drugs and AK 47 and shit. These are bad people. All right. Sure. These are people who like, you know, maybe they are, they're certainly uh, a symptom of the system and they probably are pretty desperate. But like, if you're, if you're plugging bodies, if you're part of that 300 number in Baltimore, you just can't, you're not, you're not, you're not, a, you, you can't be a good person. Mm-hmm. So I, do I, do I feel good about them being locked? No, because it's still, it's like, it's such a, it's just such a waste of human potential. Um, I like this Hersel guy, like, yeah, he's a real asshole, but I think this whole, the, I, I, the, the reason I feel bad is because the factory that manufactured the people like Hersel and put them in positions where they could hurt people and turn a blind eye is mm-hmm. still fully engaged, turning out more Hersels. Like, well, sure. It'd yeah. be, It'd be one thing if they'd fix the problem and then and found the but like it's it's just the weirdest thing where it's like you hold individuals it's like the opposite of what I think would be sane, which is you know understand individuals and hold systems accountable. It's the opposite. We're going to screw individuals to the wall uh, and we're going to excuse the system, mm-hmm. which means none of this is justice it's retribution maybe but for for crimes committed but it doesn't doesn't feel like justice to me it didn't feel didn't feel satisfying um you hmm. know yeah i mean i sure i can see that point but also it feels pretty satisfying when a guy like jenkins 
gets what he's clearly been asking for the entire time, uh, which is to get busted. I mean, he's so brazen. He was so uh, over the top about it. And he was driving a lot of this, you know, in his task force, right? And sure, yeah, you can say, okay, he came up in a broken system that made him this way. But so did Sean Suter. So did all the guys who stood up and said, no, I'm not doing this and got put out to pasture, like you said. They came up in that same system and they didn't go along with it. So, I mean, there is a huge amount of personal blame to take here. And I think going to prison for the choices that you have made is pretty right on. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm not saying these are unjust convictions. I'm just saying, like, I don't feel I didn't feel much triumph or joy yeah, yeah. or any. That you know, I understand. Like, yeah. Um, should we get into this uh, this episode? I, I was gonna, I'm going to take it in a kind of um, an unorthodox manner because, like, I feel um, if we talked about some stuff for the other, it'd be you, you kind of have to always be like, well, we have to get to this later. Uh, yeah. I want to start with Detective Sean Suter because this was the highest stakes for me. Because again, I had uh, I've been spoiled by some of the other big, like someone uh, I, I I think it would have been a question mark for maybe just a week longer about whether Wayne Jenkins was a piece of shit. But lots of people helpfully let me know that oh, he was a piece of shit and got like the most <laughs> the stiffest amongst the stiffest sentences. Yeah, uh, but Sean, I, I guess going into last episode, I was thinking he's true blue. And one of the evidences I had is he felt like so conflicted about uh, the stuff that, you know, the, the relatively minor stuff he done, he done. I'm kind I'm, I'm forced to reevaluate that in light of this episode. What did you make of Sean Suter's demeanor uh, throughout this episode about this case? I, I'm still not certain on this guy. Um, I can't tell if this guy is someone with, uh, let's say, an overactive conscience or if this is somebody who did very bad things and they just don't show us um, because, it, it, you know, it, it's tough to say, too, right? The, the show would get into a lot of speculation about things if they tried to tell us exactly what's going on there, I think, because his, the, the, his death at the end of this episode is not a mystery, but it's it, there are differing opinions on what happened, mm-hmm. right? Um, some say, okay, maybe there was a perpetrator who killed him or whatever. A lot of people are saying, no, he just got so ashamed or or spooked by the specter of prison or something that he killed himself. Um, I think it's the latter. Yeah. I think he did kill himself, uh, based on what I saw here. Don't know the real world facts, but yeah, I'm, I'm still up in the air, um, on how bad this guy was. I, to me, he came off over the course of this entire series is a guy who got wrapped up into something and did have a conscience um, and did worry that he had done bad things to good people um, or at least innocent people and couldn't live with that fact. But man, it's tough when you look at his family and you look at everything that he does have there to say, to understand that position, I guess. (laughs) Like I get it. You might have gotten wrapped into into something bad, but man, you've got a family who needs you. Don't go out this way. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. All new Pulp and Prestige this week. On Tuesday, we'll cover the latest episode of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live on Pulp. And on Thursday, we'll catch up with the latest Samurai subterfuge on FX Hulu's Shogun. 
Then on our House of the Dragon feed, Anthony puts on his Maester's class on Monday. And then on Thursday, Steve joins him for Electric Bookaloo as they continue their discussion of George R. R. Martin's A Clash of Kings. Find these and many of our other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Prestige in your favorite podcast app. FX is adapting James Clavell's best-selling novel, Shogun, into a 10-part miniseries this spring. Set in the shogunate period of Japan at the turn of the 15th century, Shogun depicts the rise of a feudal lord to Shogun, as seen through the eyes of a shipwrecked English sailor. It's loosely based on the real-life exploits of William Adams and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Shogun has already been successfully adapted back in 1980 with a widely acclaimed miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain. Featuring intricate plots, political scheming, complex characters, and thrilling action. This time, husband and wife team Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo try to recapture the successes of the novel and early adaptations while increasing the levels of historical and cultural accuracy that are often perceived as flaws of this and similar works. Starring Hiroyuki Sanada from The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and John Wick 4, with Cosmo Jarvis of Peaky Blinders, Raised by Wolves, etc., joining the truly massive cast required to bring this complex world to life. Join Aaron and I each week as we deep dive into each episode, uncovering the mysteries, the intrigue, and the glory of Shogun. Shogun premieres on FX Hulu Tuesday, February 27th at the two-part debut. Our podcast will release each Thursday thereafter. Get our Shogun coverage by searching for Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. I thought it was interesting um, in, on the federal investigator side. Uh, I, I forget what this guy's name is, like Kapritsky or something. But the, the 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 partner of the other FBI agent, and they're talking about like that very question mm-hmm. of like, well, maybe he was this, or maybe he was that, but like, is that enough? And he's like, for a cop, I, yeah. I think there's this unspoken like statement of like. For a real cop, for something that like that, that means something too. For someone who still mm-hmm. like clings to the ideals that the academy teaches, the stuff that like Jenkins himself is going to champion at the end of this episode and in the, in the first episode, um, that like you know him going through his whole house and looking at all like you know visiting his sons, you know one of them's named after him, carrying his name, Sean mm-hmm. Junior. And his daughter and his wife and all these pictures, the legacy he built and the idea that like even if he only broke or bent the rules or looked the other way, because that's the thing. It's like I still like you. I I don't. I I think I've and and so, so here's here's another thing. For what it's worth, Cecily read this book, you know, about two weeks ago, and she hasn't she hasn't spoiled me on anything. We had a discussion about it at the end. She said from from the book's point of view, it was a lot more up in the air about if Sean Suter had killed himself or, hmm. you know, not. And it's a lot more up in the air about, you know, because I, I felt like the show put the thumb on the switch because I my recollection of that episode where Sean Suter found the drugs, some other sergeant went over there and probably planted it and then he, he found he it. He did, yeah. So totally. his crime is just being kind of cr- overly credulous of like, oh, yeah, cops could have poured mm-hmm. over his car and they just missed the giant fucking quart baggie of cocaine on the floorboard. <laughs> right. Um, and, and letting Jenkins slide on that bust he does where he tucks a bunch of cash in his vest. And and but and I, I, I but so so like I and and I feel like the way the show even cut that, I felt like, oh, he ultimately said, Wayne, I can't take that cash. And uh-huh. Wayne probably did. Uh, but the thing is, the thing that also I th- 
Man, that's why the show is like deeper than maybe you think. Um, the other thing is David Simon, I think, gives us a little, uh, you know, decoder ring about like if Wayne were to do something like that, uh, you know, offer a guy money and the guy doesn't take the money, then it seems like the pattern, like with the K-Stop guy, is that he would say, oh, ha, ha, you passed the test and then got Suter out of there. Suter was on the gun task force, trace task force for a lot longer than that. Um hmm. Yeah. So there's two possibilities. Number one, Suter played ball, um, or at least you know, like maybe played ball like the other guys did, you know, and, and threw the money away or found some middle path, mm-hmm. or maybe uh, Jenkins like came up with that Shropshire or not K stop uh, came up that K stop protocol after he just flopped the money and the drugs and everything in front of Suter and Suter shot him down. He's like, whoa, whoa, that's way too risky. We'll just keep a hypothetical next time. You got mm-hmm. any thoughts on? Which of those yeah, you kind of side on? I, I mean, I don't know. The show doesn't really give us much to go on. That's that's the problem here. Um, and I wonder why, you know, is it a case of not wanting to to oversell their position because they just don't know, um, because nobody knows? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I came down mostly on the side of this is a guy who, yeah, has an overactive conscience. Uh, di- didn't do anything directly wrong, but did look the other way when he saw other people doing it, and that just ate him alive. If that's the case, and he's just another victim of Jenkins because sure. Jenkins, for no fucking good reason at all, fingered him on this this one thing and went down. I guess like this is all yeah. kind of like straight out of the court deck. It's just like that's the one thing he's like. Well, I can I can blame somebody else on. Uh, or, or like trying to drag somebody down with him. I it, it I thought it's a create the craziest thing. Um, is that because some innocent people died here? Like that that old dude in it the does car seem crash that bothered died. him a lot. It bothered him a lot that that happened. Yeah, because this guy wasn't a drug dealer, right? He wasn't uh, involved in any wrongdoing here. He right. was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's trying to avoid the Allers trap where he felt personally responsible for someone's death. It was just all petty. You know, he's trying to keep it in the petty crime. Yeah, seems like it. I just the other thing that made me feel bad about Suter as far as like, oh, maybe he's dirtier than I thought. Is that line when the feds first sit him down and be like, hey, you know, we're not a target. Potentially, Uh, you're a witness and we think you're just got... And he hears all that and he comes back with, am I going to lose my job over this? Mm-hmm. To me, that's a person who's got target fixation. Like he's gone. He, he's he looks beyond where the surface level of the conversation is, which is like, hey, we're just asking questions and sees like knowing what he knows. Oh, I'm inevitably going to be a target of this if they just keep, you know, um, and I would already be a target if I hadn't have left the department a couple, you know, a, a long enough ago that I'm I'm a cold case at this point. I I, I want to like this guy. Um, and I even even if he's like, again, half as dirty as Jenkins and he decided to go clean at some point. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that either. Like how, how do you score redemption? How do you are like the whole point of the, the justice yeah. system is to rehabilitate people. Right. Cause if we're not mm-hmm. doing that, we should just put bullets in people's heads. Like, <laughs> right. you know, like what the fuck? So yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think the show put its thumb on the side of this guy killed himself too. Uh, pretty heavily right like uh, if you watch that scene 
you can see him building himself up, psyching himself up to run out into this clearing, this alley. Uh, that was very artful. Yeah. I was so tense because like, I thought he was going to throw himself in front of like, like it almost. And I, I wondered if they were like posing it like that. Like he is trying to construct like, like when he wanted 20 minutes, is that because he just chickened out? But he's like, I need 20 minutes to psych myself up. Or is that because he's setting up this kind of like, cause I didn't even understand what the hell was happening. They're going to investigate this cold case, mm-hmm. the shooting from a year. And he had, he had some informant he wanted to talk to. And was he just going like, when did he decide to kill himself? When the phone calls became more and more urgent, when I mean, it had to be the night before when he visited his kids in their bedrooms, right? Because when he comes in that morning, he's pouring coffee like, you know, his hands are shaking and splashing every like. And I kept thinking, I saw that scene where his hands are shaking while he's pouring coffee and then he goes and picks up a gun and I'm like. Oh shit! His partner is gonna accidentally get shot, or something's gonna go wrong. He's gonna shoot the wrong person because he's, he's jumpy gonna maybe do and he's death shaky. By cop. Like he's gonna set up a situation where be, yeah. him and his friend, his yeah. So yeah. Well, I didn't see him dying in this episode. So like, mm. I thought it was gonna be tragic the other way. He was going to do something oh, that see. he was gonna regret. Um, do something he should actually regret. I uh, see. But yeah, the way they did it and the outcome of it was surprising to me. Because, yeah, the whole scene's like, you know, what's he going to do? Is he going to, like, step, you know, because he's behind this van. He's going to step in front of traffic. Is he going to, and it felt like maybe he was. And then, you know, him stealing himself to, to do, yeah. I, obviously, the episode thinks that he killed himself yeah. and tried to stage it to look like it was an in the line of duty. I, I don't know if the episode, I thought the episode did a lot better job of being uh, even-handed about whether he's rightfully guilty about it or whether he's, like you mm-hmm. said, has an o- overactive uh, or excessively sensitive conscience. Um, yeah, and then, like, you know, that's the thing. is like they, they, they kind of show the other side of, like, why cops do this a little bit more, too. Um, like, the scene of his partner, like, once he gets shot, like, him just being helpless and bereft and, like, scared to death to go into this corridor of death, but also wanting to check on his partner and, like, that. And then the way the cops are all, like, fuck, waiting for the ambulance is practice. Like, there's this esprit de corps that is mm-hmm. pretty intoxicating. Anytime you're in profession of arms and you are doing... You know, to the extent that it's super dangerous, but you're doing dangerous work. You're you're you, you got a weapon. Uh, I, I I can see why people get suckered into this, which is another reason why I felt a little bad about some of these cops. You know, especially the the ones that were trying to find a way between a rock and a hard case. You know, um, yeah, they hard straight place, up, rather they straight up name it in this episode, right? Camaraderie is that camaraderie? Is that yeah, what one of them says at some point. And how in a war, this is all like it's the, the the problem is we've got this wartime mentality and it it works in wartime. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we're it, it, it's it's it'd be like calling, you know, having a if you know, if you had kids being truant in school and you want to call it a war on truancy and you just roll up and start shooting kids like, <laughs> no, that's you, yeah. you don't really want to call things that aren't wars, wars. Um because it just has all these knock on knock on follow, follow effects. Do you have anything you want did to want to talk about the uh, suitor here or I don't think should so. Should we move on to talked about it all. I want to talk about Wayne Jenkins. Mhm. Uh, this is interesting because this is essentially Wayne Jenkins re 
replaying his life as we've seen it in this series and trying to decide whether he thinks he's a dirty cop or not. Mm-hmm. At In the final analysis, <laughs> where did you think he arrived? Oh, boy. It's tough to be sure. I, I think he gets there by the end. I think he understands. Um, once he's actually in prison, once people are recognizing him as that cop from Baltimore in prison, and he's standing out there in the yard t- reflecting on his decisions, yeah, I, th- I think so. I, th- I think he recognizes, oh, I did some things wrong here. But boy, it takes him just the most hit-you-over-the-head obvious reveals for him to get there. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, I wondered that, too. Like, I think he got to where, like, OK, I was a dirty cop and I did bad things. But God damn it. They celebrated before it. Like, like how much responsibility can I possibly bear if the entire city was and in his his elaborate fantasy, everyone from Sean Suter to uh, Commissioner Davis to all their like. And it was also interesting that, like, I felt like showing all these guys back in their service blues, kind of like when they were just fresh out of the academy, reminds us that, like, yeah, I don't know how many cops. Like, it's, there's, there's, there's this one theory that's like a lot of people get into cops, like a third of cops get into it because they were bullied or like being bullies and they want to keep bullying in an official capacity. I've known quite a few cops. I feel like a lot of them get into it because they do want to help society. And I really feel bad for all these fresh faced cadets that have this idealistic stance and it's going to either get beat out of you and make you cold and nihilistic. It's going to make you corrupt or you're going to keep it and you're going to be marginalized mm-hmm. and probably driven out of the business. Um, and there's also like a couple points where like, what did you make of Wayne trying to re- not retire, but trying to transfer out into like just warrant duty, which is essentially knocking on doors, telling people, hey, you got a warrant for your arrest uh, or, or, or here, here, appear in court. And it's just essentially mailman with a gun. Um, I think this is trying to paint him as a guy who genuinely just wanted uh, also, you know, aside from the, the stealing and the ma- making a bunch of money and stuff, wanted to. uh make it happen as a police officer like he wanted to get arrest he wanted to get guns off the street he wanted to get these bad guys in jail uh and the fact that he was no longer able to do that like the the lawyer the attorney comes to him and says look man like these people want nothing to do with you they don't want you testifying they they want to stay as far away from you as possible because you're toxic it doesn't matter if you think you didn't do anything wrong these people think you did and so they don't want you here uh, it it felt like that um, it, you know, deflated him. Uh, like he was this guy who thought he was doing a great job getting these people off the street and and guns and stuff, and the fact that he was now ineffectual at doing that. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean that that's the positive side of of Jenkins, right? Is he was out there getting guns off the streets, getting drugs off the streets now. Sometimes he was turning around and flipping those drugs right back onto the street, as we'll see later. That's what I can't figure out, because I can easily see how a cop can justify, look, I'm getting guns off the street. I'm getting drugs off the street. 
Mm-hmm. I'm risking my goddamn life. I'm risking, uh, you know, the, the all, all these these crazy ch- uh, crusading prosecutors. And yeah, I get my beak wet just a little bit. But you know what? Fuck you. To Wayne actually being a drug deal. And they made that great point yeah. where I think it was Gondo saying, I heard him talk on the phone one time. It's just like anything you'd hear on the street is just a drug deal. Uh-huh. And I thought of like how how do you and and but but the realization is like I don't think it felt real to them. Yeah. The, like you know like it's like if you were fighting, it's like I can't a, be a drug dealer. I'm a cop, right? Like, <laughs> well, not just, just that, but like imagine if we were at war with Vietnam still, mm-hmm. right? Fifty years later, right? It's about the exact same length of time. And we're still sending GIs out there. It's like, oh, the Viet Cong, you know, if we let them pass this parallel, they're going to take over the fucking world. And it's just a bunch of poor farmers with like shitty AKs. And, you know, uh, also like time and time again, they've they've had pl- places where they could make a real difference or or like you could, you know, like the, the, uh, there's there's war crimes being committed. They're holding someone responsible. Then at the last minute eh, and then they promote those people to like brigadier generals and shit like there wouldn't be any hero. There wouldn't like it. It'd just be it'd just be this 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 shitty system where people are just like you know committing war crimes and brutalizing people. Mm-hmm. And and I, I feel like it is kind of bizarre. They're like, okay, well, you, so selling a lot of drugs is a crossing line. It seemed like for a lot of these cops, it was. Yeah. But for Wayne Jenkins, it's like, well, this is all just stupid. Like this is all just a joke that we're playing. No one's taking any of this serious. So what the fuck? Might as well make money off that too, right? Yeah, but I mean, the yeah, then the confusion comes in when he wants a transfer out, right? He sees that he's going to be ineffectual now and wants to transfer out because he's not going to be able to do any of the the he's not actually going to be able to get the guns off the streets anymore. Um, Yeah, so it's weird, right? And he keeps that attitude all the way up until the very end. He's already in prison. He's he's in solitary confinement because if they put him in general population, he'll probably just get killed. Like that. There are so many. Oh, them saying we, that we need to get you out of jail. He's never going to get out of gin pop. Right. The second he steps, the second it'll be a riot. The second he steps foot in the yard with everybody else there. Right. I mean, he's in federal prison, so it's probably like a little less uh, dangerous than if he were in the Baltimore (laughs) system. But like, Still, jam- the, the dude pushing a broom looked like he's this close to snapping right? it and sticking it through his chest, you know, right? like <laughs> so. But but Wayne has this attitude of like, I was doing good things and like I was justified in all this right up until until he has these flashbacks. I think the flashback that is super telling is the mm-hmm. one that is the scene we saw at the beginning of the season uh, yes. where he he goes in on this raid and I don't. I don't know what the name of this raid is. I'm sure it has one. Right. But it's the, the one where score. Yeah, he he goes up the stairs, he finds a bunch of, a bunch of uh drugs in the house and then he looks in this closet, right? And they don't show us what's in the closet the first time around. And I'm thinking, right. okay, is there like a kid in there? Is this going to be something super sad? It is. It's just not what I thought. It's t- Tell me if I'm wrong in this. This is what I got from this scene. This is essentially the drugs that he pulled off of somebody else and then got over to this bails bond bail bondsman who then sold them on the street and gave him cash. Well, those drugs are back now. Cause I think they're in a police bag 
Th- those drugs are back on the street and he is busting another person with the same drugs and the same oh, cash. Oh shit. I didn't I did not make that connection. That could I mean that would be even uh crazier if true that he instead of using criminal contacts to develop a lead he is the criminal contact. He knows who right? bought the giant thing of drugs and where it's going to be because, oh, my God. And talk about the self-perpetuating cycle, right? He's busting people, putting the drugs back out on the street to bust more people. It's it, that's it, literally I, I like, it a comic, that's like a comic. That's like a comic supervillain plot, you know, where you find <laughs> right. out that, like, you know, this is like Wayne Jiggins kind of is. He does own the city. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think like when he's having that flashback, when he's standing in the yard at, of the prison, I think that's when it finally sinks into him. But boy, took a hell of a long time to get there. I did have this wondering of like the, him trying to resign was a guilty conscience in the same way that Suter had like, you know, like, you know what? Because like there's this thing, it's, it's the same way the way he dealt with the guys that were telling it's like, man, you just robbed this, you know, a uh, little person stripper. That's fucked up. And he's mm-hmm. like, man, don't be talking like that. You know, like you, know, it, it's the same thing when he's out. It's like, you know, people talking like I'm dirty, like I'm scummy, like really. And people are like what, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 uh Gondo and uh, uh and Ram. Ra- Ram. Yeah. They're like, well, aren't you? They're like laughing up their beers. And like, no, man, stop. This guy <laughs> right. was like deeply in denial, but maybe like a prickling of his conscience. Like, well, maybe this is fucked up or whatever. And mm-hmm. and he tried to resign to get himself out of it. Could be. But then th- when he tries his lieutenant commander's like, you're one. Like, look at this glowing write up that you. You know, on the back page of the newsletter where this guy's trying to sell the consent decree, he's praising you because you are one of the good ones. You and like it's almost like them saying it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like a priest confessing to pedophilia, and you're like, you know, I, I just I got to retire from being. I can't. You know, I'm not going to say what I'm doing, but I I, I got to get out of here because I'm I'm feeling bad. It's like no, but you you know, everyone loves the way you give man. And I I just felt like. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing in the system that ever would make a person reconsider what they're doing, uh, sure. and, and do and do feel anything but invincible and above the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you gotta uh, get out of the department to even start to have people hold you accountable. Yeah, yeah. Just and just how delusional he was throughout this whole episode about. Okay, there's another question. Why was he so delusional about the fact that his boys would not turn state's evidence on him? That seems like because like <laughs> right? the one thing it's like like he's just multifaceted delusional about what being a police officer is in a deeply deluded way. And the kind of police officers he was rolling with. Like that's the other thing. He created these guys by uh, you know stealing from them too, right? Uh, how do you expect them to be loyal to you if you're not loyal to them i i don't get it i think they think they're not smart enough to figure out they're being robbed like oh oh okay i guess this is the one drug dealer only had only had three thousand of petty cash on him huh boss he had he had 10 kilos of coke but only three thousand dollars in cash wow it, it seems like the way to go on that is to say well i'm the senior officer here when you become the senior officer then you get the bigger cut it's like like this is straight up mafia this just like right. Paul, like like paulie and christopher and and the sopranos well you're yeah like well you'll get to shit on someone in, in 15 20 years <laughs> right uh, exactly yeah you just got to serve your time first. It's 
it's just it's just really wild how completely in denial he was about mm-hmm. and it's just like like you said um you know when he's trying to pitch this last big scan he's like oh it's two hundred thousand dollars but we let's just keep it us three like don't you know that if you tell that to your your men, that just opens the door to them understanding that like, oh, well, if he's cutting everybody else out now, I'll be cut out tomorrow. Right. Right. So like, but yet they still main, you know, but I don't know. This this goes back to a mafia thing, too, because like we've I know we fr- frequently remarked when we watch mob films, like if the mobsters really took their code of silence uh, seriously and like rewarded people for staying silent, but they don't. The second anyone starts getting rounded up, they start popping people in the heads because nobody buys that bullshit. Uh, (laughs) Except for Wayne Jenkins. Wayne Jenkins thinks this Omerita is going to hold in in fucking Baltimore. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh... I don't know if we want to talk about anything else. Do you have anything that you want to mention about him? I did want to talk about the... the I think you referred to this scene uh, when you were talking about the art of this show a little bit. It's the scene where Jenkins is teaching all of the... he He's teaching a class on, I don't know, ethics. I have no idea what this class is actually about, but he's teaching a bunch of new recruits, and those new recruits are all of the cops that we have seen throughout this entire show. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is uh, artistic license here, right? These These cops weren't all in the same class. Commissioner Davis is probably not as the same age as Sean Suter. Uh, Certainly. So, so, so you see, like this is man. I it's hard to say exactly what they're getting at here. I think, but it, it's it's clear that like he has had an influence on all these people, right? And they're trying to pin this tale on the system, not just on Jenkins. Uh, even though he's the one leading this class, he could be anybody, right? He could be any dirty cop. He could, he could be any cop in Baltimore, maybe. Um, aside from like a select few that are uh, holier than thou kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really effective, and I, I really like that scene. I also have made it feel like you know we're cheering too because like. And, you know, every you, you see uh, once a week on the front page of your city's paper, like cops standing with their hands on their gun belts and their bulletproof vest and they're sitting in front of a big wooden table in a courtroom uh, and it's got, you know, bags of marijuana and cocaine and a couple of pistols and some rifles, maybe if it's a big bus. I mean, it, it's pathetic sometimes these putting on a table pictures, especially like I remember like in our hometown, like, you know, every other year. Uh, the cops would get lucky and get a guy with like a, a half gallon Ziploc bag full of weed and a rusty pistol. And like, look what we did. Uh, I get sick when I see this shit. I get sick when I see, see this shit. It's like um, it, it'd be like a, a Tyson Farms chicken, like holding a five gallon thing of urine and being like, look at all the piss we took out of the took out of the chicken line. Don't mm-hmm. ask about how much piss made it through. Like, just like, look at the piss on the table. Like, what what are we measuring? What are we measuring? And especially since um, it never yeah. occurred to me that like, okay, they're me- like, what what if ninety uh, percent of these tables don't even make it to trial or don't don't succeed mm-hmm. in convictions because they're so fucking bad at doing the police work to protect everybody's rights and not get thrown out in court. Yeah. Uh, just, just like him being like, we put her on the table. We put her on the table. And 
how much I how like you you'll remember that I was giving him a lot of fucking credit. I thought that they were going to do a tale of two cops showing Hersel the bad one, Jenkins mm-hmm. the guy that actually gets it done and is actually more effective to boot. I was not ready for <laughs> the triple slap of every cop in this show is bad. Like yeah. Simon's like, what part of all cops are bastards? Do you not understand? Not even suitors are good. Um, <laughs> and, and the ones that are bad are ineffective because the system's so rotten. Because, yeah, so, like, it's all a bunch of, so, like, yeah, it's all a bunch of stupid shit uh, from the top to the bottom. Uh, I don't know, man. Um, The only other thing I got is there's a truly impressive shot towards the end of this thing where Jenkins is, is, is laying on the bed facing the rear where you, I've never seen a rear Bernthal lobe shot. (laughs) Like... I thought the I thought yeah. the view from the front was good. Like it's uh-huh. it's like oh my god! It's yeah! It's 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 spectacular! It's spectacular! I didn't, I didn't notice the rear shot. I did notice the the silhouette. He's like standing in the hall in prison, and there's just sunlight streaming in, just highlighting those bad boys. It's like Boy. it's like seeing it's like seeing someone like hot from the front, and you're like, oh man! If they turn around, oh, it's going to be a flat ass. It's going to be fl- oh my god! Look at that bubble. <laughs> That's what I felt like. I thought you know. It's as good from the back as it is the front. Uh-huh. Uh, Jesus. Is there anything else we need to talk about with Wayne, Wayne Jenkins here? I don't think so. He got, he got the longest sentence of everybody, 25 years. So 25 years. Even, even like the state hated him more than the guys that, that made him take him to court and put him away. Yeah. <laughs> made him earn their paycheck. That's amazing. I like the the editorializing of the black card. It's like for for I forget exactly what the exact words were, but words to the effect of like for offering as far as the state could tell exactly zero helpful information to the investigation mm-hmm. um. Rick how you doing buddy you you don't know what it's like out there hey man do, do you even know what it's like out there no not really been mostly kind of flying around in helicopters, carving likenesses of Michonne in the cell phones, that kind of thing. What is it like out there? Oh, well, I think it's time to find out, man. Last I saw your wife, Michonne, was out uh, following a giant wagon train. That, that sounds pretty weird, but it seems like a family-friendly outfit. I mean, she's got RJ and Judah with her, right? Um, actually, she kind of left them to be raised by Negan and Daryl. Well, crap. Hold on, let me get my boots. All right, well, Rick is getting ready. Aaron and I are too. We're preparing to once again recommission the Watching Dead out of mothball status to find out what's going on with Rick and Michonne, the ones who live. The six-part miniseries premieres Sunday, February 25th on AMC, and we'll be ready with our full episodic coverage each Tuesday. And afterwards, who knows? Maybe we'll check out Dead City. Find our coverage for The Ones Who Live by searching for The Watching Dead or Bald Move Pulp wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, now we're going to talk about the federal investigation. Um, and then we'll get to the actual the, the thesis statement of David Simon. Uh, so the cops are in disbelief that the feds are in disbelief that Wayne Jenkins thinks that his buddies are going to hold the line. Meanwhile, all of his buddies are gleefully selling him up the river. Uh, and there's this montage of them all doing it, like saying like, oh, man, he's trying to tell us not to talk to you guys. And that, uh, you know, 
like like sure we take the money but the drugs man we got some like we just tried to get rid of it because it's such a hassle but not way on the highway yeah i thought thought at first first they said the river but because it's like a bridge but they they specified it's over a highway i'm like can you imagine (laughs) just driving down all of a sudden my eyes are dilated and i'm ready to drive another hundred thousand miles like what what's going on with this bridge yeah um and, and like how insulted the one officer was that Wayne's like, hey, you got anybody in your f- you, you're black? You you got any you got any family members that deal drugs, man? Like, uh-huh. like yeah, you, like this is and, this and to is bring your my, family into it, right? That's the other yeah. thing. It, it's not even necessarily the profiling there. It's more like, dude, this is my family. You want to get my family hooked on drugs? What are you doing, man? Which is another level of disrespect because we know what how high esteem he holds his family right well sure well yeah. i mean he, <laughs> he wants prote- to be the perceived as a family man when we know he's anything but so that's the other thing i want to talk about his wife yeah. uh i forgot oh, I, I forgot I, that's one other interesting thing like what did you you know like he gives he gets up to go away for 25 years and she's waving a mouth and i love you and then they make it a point that like the reason he started cooperating is when he read that uh, the bail bondsman has been found. He's singing like a canary because he's like, oh, man, this is where all the strippers and all the maybe me doing drugs, certainly selling drugs. Like I, I could be mm-hmm. a thief, but I get to keep the bee in the family, man. Um, I was thinking to myself as like, OK, if I'm a partner of somebody and they say they're a cop and completely unbeknownst to me they're robbing everyone and brutalizing everyone. Uh-huh. Does it change? Like, does it make it that much better that at least they didn't cheat? Or like, I think that they didn't cheat on me. Uh, what are the odds that this, like, I- I'm wondering like what Wayne Jenkins thinks in a cell today when this episode drops, like, does his wife consider this all bullshit and propagate? Like, what do you think the dynamic there is? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even think about that, that there is a real life component. There's real show. people watching this shit. Yeah. Uh, whew, that's more complicated. Uh, what? I, I don't know, man. Think You're- about the hundreds, if not thousands of people in Baltimore who've been fucked by this guy, whose family uh-huh. members have been fucked by this guy watching this fucking show. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be It's got to be a wild experience. You're right, though. I mean, like this, this is a obviously display of his character right and if you're the wife in this situation you probably i i don't know i mean i look as much as he was in denial i'm sure she could be in the same kind of denial you know like hey he's been nothing but oh he works a lot whatever he's out there you know getting criminals off the streets and an amazing father though he can't be right like that's the thing he can't be he can, I, I feel though. like his kids are can. almost better off without him at this that might point. be true but like i do think that like um you know i mean they, they made the point paid uh, the escobar too that he was actually kind of an amazing father he's a he's a terrible yeah, terrible but, human being and like you know it's like kind of hitler like dogs and vegetarian be? when you're well fuck that so they make the case that he wasn't actually working that overtime right he was just getting paid the overtime so maybe he right. is at home half the time spending it with his kids and you know going to parks and shit but right. i don't know we never see that part of jenkins um the only part we see is the liar and the criminal uh yeah and i don't know i guess i could see her being in denial about that one of the uh 
humorous moments of the episode is how gleefully the bail bond guy Donald yeah. Sepp cooperated. Like that was that was some high comedy. Him him being he like, knows. oh, me and Wayne were friends for a grow long time. We hung out and went to titty bars. What you really want to know is about me selling drugs for him, and then him letting him know. Uh, Cecily made a point that like there's a lot to that interview, and he even um, at one point he told them it's like, oh, actually Wayne uh, stole this twenty thousand dollar Rolex from somebody, gave it to me. I felt so bad about taking, I threw it in the river off such and such a set, and they sent a Navy. <laughs> retrieval driver and found the rolex in the river to which i'm like wow do you need to right at what point do you have enough evidence you don't need to get a frogman into the water to recover this this fucking rolex uh yeah but uh, that was pretty that was one of the that was there's some high comedy and the the pleasure that the the prosecutors took at this guy uh singing like a canary um shropshire got arrested you know, we see the officer Dreamboat and Kilpatrick for the first time, and I don't know how many episodes. Maybe uh, that can be our our drug policy going forward. Like, if we're willing to spend twenty grand to go search up a twenty thousand dollar Rolex, uh-huh. maybe we can just buy up all the drugs and just sprinkle them over the highways of America. <laughs> maybe that's what we can do. Just just right. be the be the right. customer, right? Right, and, and keep yeah. the drugs off the street that way, right? Well, the only they'll way. literally be on the street at that point. <laughs> I don't know that we want that. <laughs> those be people. Those be those be addicts underneath the uh, the, uh-huh. the overpass, just just sniffing sidewalk and. There we go. <laughs> uh, what do you think about? Okay, so there's this 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 montage led to the bail bondsman, which led to uh, Shropshire, which led to the Sergeant Gladstone that had taken drugs mm-hmm. to sell. Uh, the, off of uh, Shropshire, and had uh, planted the the weapon on the on the scene when you know Jenkins fucked up. And apparently, this is something that they did that they carried these BB guns in case they had to get in a shooting that looked a little sketchy. And they're like, "Well, I got this BB gun, and I can just throw it in here." And oh my god, this guy had this gun. I didn't know it was a BB gun. Holy shit! Why don't um, they just pocket the guns they find? These are these are guys who have access to endless amounts of untraceable weapons. They I could wondered just pocket that them, myself. Keep them around yeah. so that when, so that these things will stick. So that they you have a real piece. So you can cover your tracks because the reason they find out about this guy is yeah. because the weapon he planted was a BB gun. Right, and that if he had planted to, a really uh, like an untraceable actual weapon, they never would have found that. I wonder if it's like one of those things where if you like internal affairs would by some stretch of the imagination get off their ass and like pop a, a, a cop's trunk. Yeah. And they find like a gun that's got the serial numbers filed off like that's still a felony no matter who you are. But where if it's like it's a yeah. it's a rusty BB gun. It's like, ah, oh, it's one of my kids. You know, it's like there's one one's just uh, uh, inherently illegal to possess and the other's like literally not a problem unless you're holding it when the cop's pointing a gun at you. Could could you um, just be like, oh yeah, that's from a bust. It must have. That's what I'm saying. Like the, I to the evidence. Yeah, maybe maybe it's one of those things where like you know how some criminals still believe that a cop has to tell you they're a cop if if, <laughs> if they're a cop. Sure. Maybe there's a couple of like these wives' tales a cop's got about them. Like uh, like because I've I've always heard too that like if you want to carry a baseball bat in your back seat just for personal protection, throw a glove and a ball in there because if a cop pulls mm-hmm. you over yeah. and they can like that baseball bat, well, that's an unregistered weapon. But if it's got a baseball, now I don't know if that's actually true, 
Because I feel like if you beat the holy hell out of somebody with a baseball bat in an unjust situation, that, like, you're probably going to get in trouble. And I don't know that a cop would, you know, unless, you know, like, would buy necessarily a ball. I, I don't know how well that works, but people believe it. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's common advice. I wonder if this is like a, an old wives tale that cops tell themselves. It's like, well, yeah, if they catch you with an un- unlicensed gun, it's one thing, but a BB gun is the same Meanwhile, they are leaving their fingerprints all over this stuff that because you're, you're right. That's how the detectives tr- track them down. They just like, OK, show me everybody who got roughed up uh, ter- that the defense was a BB gun and they found this guy. Mm-hmm. What do you think about his rationale for doing it? I thought that was really interesting. The camaraderie angle. Um, yeah, refresh my memory on that. That he um, he says, you know, I didn't have a greatest home, but what I did have was brothers that, that had my back no matter right. what. And then I got into the military and I found that same esprit de corps, his camaraderie, the police, his camaraderie, and really pointing daggers at this John guy, the Siraki guy. Um, I thought this was a fascinating exchange because it kind of gets to the crux of how the police feel about the situation. Yeah, no, we talked about this earlier in this show um how i think we were questioning like how do good cops go bad right how, how do you get on the street and suddenly a guy who was in uh you know the academy wanted to do good turns bad and i think that's part of it right it's camaraderie you're out there with people who especially in in a city where there are 300 murders a year or homicides a year that uh you get into this mentality of like, I've got your back, you've got my back and that's all that matters. Um, and yeah, that, that can be, a, that, that can cover over a lot of bad shit. And I think that's the difference. Like if you're a law enforcement officer, your job is to uphold the law. But if you're a soldier in a war, your job is to win against the enemy. And they're going to make this, point clear mm-hmm. in the Nicole Steele situation um, and that he felt in that room that John Sarecki, the cops is, is putting away these crooked cops that he is the traitor to the profession because he wouldn't do anything for his brother. Mm-hmm. And what, what kind of, what kind of miserable son of a bitch, what kind of unwashed asshole wouldn't do whatever it took to protect the brother from the enemy. Yeah. Um, it turns, you know, the enemy into the public, which is, or it turns the public into the enemy, which is crazy because right. that like, should be the exact opposite. Cause even an innocent person becomes the enemy because that mm-hmm. could, that could end your brother's career. Right. That could put his family in danger. So that's, that's how, <laughs> that's how the fucked up calculus works. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Nicole Steele, her, uh, mm-hmm. kind of sad denouement uh, about all this. Um, we've got the steel meeting with the Academy professor. And I thought this is the best scene maybe, or the most impactful scene in, in the entire series where he's like, this is a great consent decree. It really blueprints out all the, the civil rights disrespecting and brutality of the Baltimore police department. But what is it not saying? Something that, I, that seemingly Nicole Steele didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and what it's not saying is that um, we we refuse to talk about this for some reason and I I mean they, they don't really get into that right um, they get right up to the edge of it and they say there's some reason why we won't talk about this but then they can't 
they can't quite put their finger on it because it is such an insane idea that that we have this war on drugs that is the backbone of our law enforcement at this point um, and propping up a system that is that is broken and probably much larger than it would need to be um, and much more uh, costly uh, than it needs to be. But they, they don't have like a good way to say, here's why we're doing this, because <laughs> it seems insane. It's not even that like. I don't know about legalizing all drugs, but like legalizing marijuana um, is extremely popular yeah, and would have almost nothing but good effects on society. I don't understand why it hasn't happened. I don't understand why uh, when you have half the states that are legalizing it in full and, and you can, you've got like in some case a decade or more where the crimes, the state stats are the same. Um, even in some cases, like you, abuse of other drugs is down because of it, um, including alcohol. Why, why you would have an administration that comes back and wants to start up ticky tacky prosecution of marijuana again? Like it literally seems insane to me. Um, but like I, you said that like that the show uh, doesn't want to like say it, but I felt like it did when Nicole. The, there's another scene. There, she's sitting in the pro, she's sitting in the, the court and she's watching the machine work. She's mm-hmm. watching it grind men and use uh, it as grist yeah. for a mill. And she says, "We want this. We think this is good." Um, and she didn't say they. She said we, as because mm-hmm. as as you know, like this is the the this is what we want. This we want politicians to tell they're going to be tough on crime. They're going to brutalize these criminals. And it ended with this just completely striking scene of like a dozen black men being led away for pro- official processing in chains. Um, it's is it, incredible. Is this, is this the shot that Simon's taking at privatized prisons? At the, I don't know. The- it's privatized because even if it's even if it's for the pub- munificent good, like this is still, I think, is saying like like the the professor said, he's like, we've been fighting this war for fifty years, and what do we got? Routine mm-hmm. brutality, full prisons, complete collapse in the public trust in our institutions. What you know, like as as I, and I guess that's the thing. It's like we have all the pain of a, a, a nation is massively addicted to drugs because, like, that's mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's good to be a heroin addict. Far from it. Um, I'm just saying we've got all of those problems plus all the shit on top of prohibition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, this is the the less uh, hopeful part of the episode, right? Because it does lay bare all of the systemic problems and just the choices being made are not good ones uh, across the board. And then when you see a, 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 someone who's working toward the good, I think, uh, Nicole, just give up in the face of it, um, that's that's sad. That's it's heartbreaking. And she tries to play it off like, okay, I'm passing the torch here. But she knows. She knows that she's giving up. She knows that this is the, the she has to know at some point, like that's part of the problem too, right? Is the best people here in this scenario won't stand up or can't stand up in the face of it long enough to get any real change. Yeah, I uh, I, 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 it's, 
I don't know, because like that's, that's the thing. It's like if you've had these people out there for 50 years playing a losing game with arbitrary made up rules, how can you hold any one individual responsible for what's going on? Sure. And then and there's in the this face si- of, you know, the administration that's coming in. Well, she and, knows and there's it's this- just about to get worse. It's not getting any better anytime soon. Right. And but but even like if you're quote unquote, your side wins, like I'm certain this mayor, Mayor Pugh is a Democrat. Um, you know, she's putting in this, uh, this police commissioner who's a black man, mm-hmm. uh, and they're talking about how we're not going to, we're not going to fund the police, uh, because we're not going to take any money out of our, our, from our babies and we're going to do the right thing. We're not going to tolerate corruption. And then there's this sad title card where the mayor, a year after firing Davis gets put mm-hmm. away for tax evasion and fraud. Uh, that the commissioner is, uh, you know, that was z- zero tolerance on corruption and who put the plainclothes uh, squads, the problem squads back on the streets, got put away for corruption. When Mosby herself, the one that threw the quote unquote, threw the book at the officers, which led to which was essentially prosecutorial um, uh, malpractice herself is under mm-hmm. scandal of some sort right now, like in year 2022. Yeah. So it's like it's, it comes back to what I said about um, the, this 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 word that I, I learned on the Treme podcast misrule that like you vote Republican, you vote Democrat, you get it doesn't matter. You're going to get the same shit because we as a society are not ready to stand up and say like enough is enough for the, the, the war on drugs. Like it's got to stop. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought it was interesting that they played this Nicole Steele this whole season as like, this is the way you would do it. If you're going to be a civil rights attorney, you have to kind of maintain a distance. You can't let it be personal. You can't let it. But it makes a point of like, that's impossible. No person yeah. with a functional conscious and system of justice could ever maintain that mm-hmm. uh, viewpoint in the face of what they're seeing. Um, the only thing you can do is work as hard as you can until you're used up and then you load someone else like another round into the rifle to keep fighting. And that's Ahmed at the end of this. Yeah, it's tough though. I mean, like the, the cost of dismantling the system that we've built is astronomical, right? It's, and it's not just the cost of dollars that it would take and time and effort, but it's the cost of real people's livelihoods. Um, Like there are a lot of cops out there. There are a lot of like, uh, prison guards. There are a lot of you name it out there that are part of this system. And if we were to try and dismantle the system and change it, those people would get caught in the crossfire and they would lose their jobs. They would maybe their families would go hungry. Um, you know, a lot of bad shit, a lot of pain would come from trying to dismantle this thing. Or but, they can just stop policing, and then what are you going to do? Like, they just walk off the job if you try to hold them accountable. And now you've got cities sure. already teetering yeah. on the brink of violence getting even worse, like, you know, is is actually happening. Sure, absolutely. But, like, even if we were to do the right thing and change everything and make it perfect, the cost that's going to come with that in, in the pain to families is is great. But is it more than the cost in pain to families that we currently sustain from the the machine itself and i i think the answer is no i think you know and and you know you have to look at it from a future angle too right yes the people right now there might be a little bit of suffering if we were to dismantle this thing and change it but it's going to come uh you know everybody's future depends on it too 
it's not just those people that we're concerned about. It's everyone who's going to be caught up in this system in the future. Uh, I thought there's another amazing scene where the grown-up donut uh, is talking to Nicole Steele, and she's, you know, she's like, well, you know, this is a, a step in the right direction. He's like, well, tell me, what will happen if the city decides not to do these things? Well, then the judge will find him in right. contempt. Well, then what will happen? Well, then the judge will sign, will, will start fining the city and maybe issue additional orders and goes, and then what? Because, like, you know, Baltimore's already broke. What the fuck is that going to you know, like, what is the real mechanism? And and him pointing out to like th- that that the police department is is still tasked with hunting, capturing, and killing us citizens. Yeah. And you got a paper that says there's just new rules on how they can hunt us. You know, what are the limits of that? The problem is you've got them out there hunting people. Uh, mm-hmm. And what what do you think about what did you think this show's final analysis was on Commissioner Davis? Because I know you've been kind of back and forth too. Yeah, I have been, um, and I was I was pretty back on him last episode. I, I think I'm I'm coming around a little bit more. You know, he was never it was never possible for him to even make a change because of all the circumstances. And I guess he did what he could in his short time in office um, or in in his position. So I, I I don't know. And then the guy who comes in after him seems to be worse, right? Because all that happened to Davis is he got fired. He's he's not one of the guys up on corruption charges and tax evasion and fraud, as far as I'm aware. Um, whereas everybody else around him, to a right. to a person, I think, is now uh, you know indicted on something. So yeah, I'm I'm a little more moderated on him. I think he was trying to mostly do the right thing, but boy was he stymied at every turn it seemed like that's the key like getting accountability back you know right? that that that's like you've got to start and he was going to start with that starting with himself like you know yes i should have taken accountability there but i thought also his words were oddly prophetic it's like none of this matters they're gonna fire me as soon mm-hmm. as this they're just waiting they're just waiting for me to catch the last bit of stink from this gun trace task force yeah. They're going to have me follow my sword over that and then they're going to bring in somebody new because but it did feel like that that if they had given this even with no money, even with no funding that he was going to try to change the culture at least. And mm-hmm. he didn't get a chance because like his idea of trying to do that was take a harsh stand against corruption while propping up Wayne Jenkins as the golden boy, as the as the thing to, and then that just blew up in his face. Yeah. But what else was he going to do without like all he had to do is kind of messaging and accountability measures because um, mm-hmm. there's no budget for anything else. And I, I also get like um, the civil servant side of it's like, well, it's hard to hear that the police can't you need more money when we just paid out six million dollars because y'all brutalize somebody. Um, but on the other hand, you know. I guess I would have felt I felt I would feel a lot better about the civic people in Baltimore if they weren't continually getting brought up on fraud and tax evasion and <laughs> conspiracy and racketeering charges. Right. You know, like I would I would really like, yeah, I, I, I believe you're talking about my babies if you weren't stealing money out of their mouths in the form of taxes and stuff like. Yeah, it's just misrule, man. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's like. 
you get to a point like how does anything ever change because like you get out and vote for a person you think is going to and they're saying all the right things and they got their reputation it's like as soon as they get in the market they just rub their hands together like yeah we're gonna fucking turn on the money spigot now like how often do you go how often do you get up and go and vote and hope for change and get kicked in the teeth like the whole fucking city of baltimore the good people of baltimore charlie browns and the system is Lucy forever pulling the football away from them. At what point do they just give up? And then what the fuck do you do? Yeah, it's interesting, too, like in light of Commissioner Davis being, you know, somebody who mostly is trying to do good here. Because uh, one person can't make a difference in a system like that, right? Like you get all these people who are up there for the grift, you know, the mayors and the the uh, the new police commissioners, all that just up there to to exploit and take advantage you get one person and you toss them in that system and they want to do the right thing and they want to make the changes and they go through all the legwork that it takes to get to that final moment of decision and then the people who are corrupt are just saying eh sorry can't do it you know you you even if you manage to to put somebody good into that system it makes them ineffectual um in actually changing anything. You need a mass of people who are altruistic and who want to do the right thing in those positions all at the same time, which is so fucking hard to do. You, you just have to get lucky there. And you have to make big changes because there's big things. And and then you have to, yeah, immediately just get in there and fix everything that's wrong. So the more good people can come into a system that is less and less broken. And it's just, it but our system's not battle. designed to move quickly. Like our system was designed no. from the federal level down to be slow and steady and resist change and make change difficult. But what I understand is like, why are the breaks on change so effective, but the breaks on corruption just seem like they have corroded away to nothing? Like I thought, yeah. I thought that like if you had a strength of the system where it's like calcified and difficult to change, and you have to put a lot of will and political capital into getting fucking thing done, that that same force would also, uh, res- you know, resist naked corruption. There'd be, a, you know, like well, you got strengths and weaknesses. It just seems like we have the weaknesses of both systems. It's this big calcified bureaucracy that protects itself and doesn't do a goddamn thing. Uh, that it just loves like even like you know when the quote unquote right people are in charge, it's like oh, it's means test this program and let's have this milk toast. Uh, half measure at this and and let's let's in, instead of actually roll up your sleeves and fixing the problem it's frustrating I mean, but what the hell do you do just give up on the system I, I mean i think jenkins is a good example of this like it's a lot easier to do the type of policing that jenkins was doing than to do the type of policing that nicole and and uh the federal investigators are doing right they have to spend a year and a half building up a fucking case to go after seven guys you know how many people wayne jenkins has kicked the doors of down at that point in that year and a half he's probably busted in 35 55 150 people's doors taken a shitload of money and a shitload of drugs and put them back on the streets and pocketed the rest it's just so much easier to do that type of shit than it is to do the good, honest, hard work of of actually getting like the evidence together and all this stuff, right? It's just it's easier, yeah. it's faster. It, that's why the corruption takes over. Yeah, because go- doing good work is hard. Doing it bad and for yourself is easy. I still don't. It's like I I just. And then, okay, so there, I got to the uh, uh, some of my final thoughts on this is I've got two kind of nightmare situations. One, we can't even legalize marijuana. 
<laughs> you know, right. like yeah. we, we put ourselves in a situation where it's like, you know, like it's like, okay, alcohol, say what you want about alcohol. I'm not a big fan of it at this point, but like when we banned it, it was, it was all the problems of alcoholism plus, plus blood in the streets. Mm-hmm. We, we can't even do, we can't even, we can't even look the other way on marijuana. Um, my other big nightmare is like, what if we do look the other way in marijuana and then everybody claps themselves on the back and is like, well, problem solved. Yeah, because you like like is anyone so deluded to think that like legalizing marijuana will do anything but scrape off the bare like if there's a mile thick layer of ice on the judicial system that will scrape off a foot. Because mm-hmm. the real stuff that really drives the murders and the homicides and all that stuff is the cocaine, it's the heroin, right. it's the fentanyl. And also, like, what right does our country have? What right does the United States have? Even if we decide that we're going to be holy rolling Puritans, under, we have plunged this whole fucking hemisphere, this whole fucking hemisphere into blood and violence and shit. Because of our policy. Like, you mm. think we've got it bad? They assassinate Supreme Court justices south of the border. Yeah. They hung, they hang civilians off of public bridges with signs that say snitch on them and set people on fire and behead them on camera. Like, what what right do we have to cause all that for our fucking sense of righteousness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I'm with you, man. I don't know, man. It's it's so frustrating because you just feel you feel helpless because even if you go out and you, you do the things that we're supposed to as a good citizen, you pull the lever for the people you think are going to do good and, 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 and do change. And the change you hope for is minuscule and they can't even live up to that half the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't know. There needs I guess there needs to be. A, I, I don't know what needs to happen because I feel like public opinion is already on the side. So what the fuck? Um, well, that's the thing. It's it's definitely going to take time for that to work its way through the terrible system that we have currently, um, and that it, things have been changing. Um, and but it's been very recent, right? I mean, it's within the last decade that things have actually started to reverse a little bit on the drug war. This drug war didn't happen overnight either. I mean, I know it started overnight with just a declaration, but we are now fifty years into this thing. It's not going to be overnight before we can get out of this. It's it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of yeah, changing in public no. opinion and that working <laughs> its way, seeping into the horrible system we have for that machine to change. And it just it's going to take time and a lot of sustained effort. That's that's just that's just a truism, you know. No, nah, you're, sing, you're singing out of my my hymn book. That's like you know, it took several generations to get us this bad. It's going to take yeah. several generations to get us out. It's just. Uh, I just hope we have time because it seems like we have a like the war on drugs is just one of the 10 current urging mm-hmm. flashing red that, da- you know, dashboard lights on the dashboard of America and the world. And like, we're just fucking around with every single one of them. And like, will they all in combination be enough to do us in? I don't know. I don't know. I hope I hope I hope we can do better. I hope I, ge- I hope our generation can do better than the fucking boomers before us. Um yeah. You know, because we we owe it to the the future generations to like Jesus. Can we not pass this war on to them? Uh, but I don't know. Um, I just hope it, the the drug war doesn't distract us so much, or the, the the these the the drug war and the culture war. I hope it doesn't distract everybody so much and for so long that we don't realize we're actually in a class war. That's that's right. the thing that gets to me is like these are all distractions from the larger issue even if we manage to turn the tide on the drug war 
and let's say we legalize every single drug under the sun, uh, free reign on that stuff, there's going to be another issue pop up like you're talking about. That's one of the tin-headed beasts here that we're fighting. And the, the real core of it is that class war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's always been true. That's been true since humans invented fire. <laughs> yeah, that's discovered uh, fire, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, no there's always there's there's always things we can do better no matter no matter what happens. Um it's just like one of those things where it's like man, it's so frustrating when it seems like there's some things that are obvious answers that you could do to sure. make things much better and we can't we can't even do that. Um eh, to what else we do what what else do we want to talk about in terms of like the final um you know, the episode tells you what happened to these guys. You can decide for yourself whether it's justice or not. Um, you know, uh, Jenkins got it worse at 25. Hersel got 18. Taylor, I don't even know who the fuck Taylor is. He got 15 or 18. Uh, these guys are going to be in prison for a long, long time. Baltimore is dying. It's shrinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, what, what do we say? It shrunk 6% over the last five years. Um, people are like, if you can get out, you are getting out. Uh, it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame for that to happen to to an uh, you know a great American city just because of this concept of misrule that you just can't get competent people with civic minds and responsibility to hold the reins for long enough to get anything positive done. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame, and I, I hope I can live to see the end of it. My God. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say, Jim? Nope, I'm good. Uh, we will have a wrap up podcast. We're not going to consider feedback today because um, we didn't have a ton and we figured we'll just have either a short or as long as we need to uh, wrap up to see what your guys' thoughts are. Um, if you agree with the thesis of the show, if you don't agree with the thesis of the show, um, what what uh, what can we do as citizens uh, to to help our our elected officials do the right thing? Um I the 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 hotline's open corners at baldmove.com. Uh it's been great if if you if you're not in the in the into wrap-ups and feedback shows, uh it's been great having you along for this ride. Uh it's been depressing, but I think it's interesting and it's been a really really vital follow-up to to the wire. Um do you think that Simon is going to do like uh, to me the Nicole Steele saying it's your turn motherfucker was almost like Pelicanos and Simon both being like we're kind of we're kind of done with this this social commentary for a while. Yeah, uh, what more can the, you say about it? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying he won't because, like, you know, the the deuce was social commentary. Uh, the plot against America mm-hmm. social commentary. Show, uh, I, I don't know if they'll ever stop raking the muck. Um, but it feels like they're they might be ready to take another 20 years off of the drug war. Yeah, and uh, who who can blame them? Uh, if you if you want to uh, follow us on to other prestigious pro- uh, properties, we are about to start uh, coverage of season three of Apple TV Plus's For All Mankind, which in- does involve spaceships. I'm going to warn you, but it also is really just a fascinating look at like you know what a minor change in history could do to our socio uh, 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 development, to our foreign relations, to the technological development of the United States. Uh, and it's a really good, really good drama too. It's well shot. It's well acted. Uh, if you ha- if you have any kind of uh, love for the space program, I think you will dig it. 
It's for all mankind. Stick here on Bald Move Prestige for that and all of our other uh, looks into the best of television and film. Corners at baldmove.com if you want to get some feedback in for next week's show. Until the next one, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.